You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Hey, man, well, good morning. We'll try that one more time. Where I'm from, when you say good morning, you were... All right, amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise this morning. I don't know about you, but... I don't know about you, but the Holy Ghost got the flow and Micah started singing that hymn, started singing about the resurrection. Goodness, we only got 25 minutes, so I can't really, I can't really go into another sermon this morning with y'all, but goodness gracious. I don't know about you, but I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea, Jesus seen me dead in my trespasses and my sin, and by his grace raised me back to life in church. I'm excited. Praise God for the resurrection. Praise God that he's our hope. Amen? Amen. It's okay. I don't know about you, but if I was at the Cavs game, I'd be cheering. I'd be excited. They're third in the East right now without Braun. So I'd be cheering and I'd be excited. So I can get excited and I can clap and give some praise to Jesus this morning. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you. My name is uh, James, and I am the lead pastor at Citizens Akron Church in Akron, Ohio. We were planted out of the North Canton Chapel in 2016. And yeah, we've been having fun, uh, making it hard to go to hell in Middlebury there in Akron. So God is good, and he is greatly to be praised. So. We've been here in a series in the Proverbs, and what's been happening is we've been taking the practical biblical wisdom that Solomon has given us in the Proverbs and applying it practically and topically to our lives. So you guys have looked at a variety of topics from the Proverbs thus far, and today we will look at friendship. If you will, look at your neighbor and say friendship. Even if you're far away, just look at somebody, point at them and say friendship. 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 I'm young, but I'm old school at the same time. So it's hard for me not to start singing James Taylor. You've got a friend right now. You know what I'm saying? But friendship this morning. So as we do that, we're going to start out of the Proverbs and then we're going to dive into the Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles and or electronic devices, you can turn with me or scroll with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to move through verse 16 here as we get started. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And when you get that, if you're able, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? The words of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. 
For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that wherever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. This is God's word and this is true. You may be seated. We find here in John chapter 15 is what many scholars believe to be an object lesson. Now, when I'm not uh, making it hard to go to hell in Middlebury, I am at a Christian school in Cuyahoga Falls called Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy where I teach Bible. And when I teach Bible, we talk often about object lessons and Jesus's keen usage of object lessons. Many believe that here in John chapter 15, Jesus is on a walk with his disciples. We have to remember that Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time at pulpits, but he spent a lot of time walking and living life with his disciples over the course of three years. So Jesus is here walking along the way. And as Jesus sees a vine, Jesus stops and he decides to deliver the last of his great I am statements in the book of John. He stops by the vine and he says to them, hey, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Anyone who abides in me will bear much fruit. He goes on to say, if you don't abide in me, you'll be broken off and thrown in the fire. And we don't talk about this often anymore, but we know what the fire is. Amen. So Jesus calls his disciples in that moment, in the future, and his disciples now to abide in him. In 2013, I was with a friend of mine. His name's Ryan. And my friend Ryan invited me and some other young men to meet him at 6 a.m. at a place called John's in Canton. Now, uh, in 2013, uh, I wasn't quite the wake up at uh, 6 a.m., and go study the Bible kind of guy, I won't lie to you. I liked my Bible study to happen around noon. (laughs) So he invited me and some other young men to meet him at six in the morning every single Thursday. So every Thursday, we got up and we met him at six in the morning, mostly because I wanted to learn the Bible a little bit because he was my boss. But uh, so I got up to study the Bible with him. And over the course of two years, At 6 a.m. every Thursday, we studied three passages. We studied three passages. Ryan happened to be from a farm in Iowa, and he would tell us stories about growing up on a farm. And he would say, when I was on the farm, sometimes I would see cows. And he'd say, one of the most terrible sounds ever is to listen to a cow chew. And me being from uh, the south side in Barberton, I don't know anything about cows or cows chewing. So I have to trust him. But he would say, it's terrible to listen to a cow chew. Because what they do is they bite off grass and they just chew it all day. And their mouths are open and it's gross. And they chew and they chew and they chew and they chew. And he looked at us and he said, hey. He said, sometimes when you read the scripture, it's not so much about how much you read. He looked at us and he said, sometimes you just need to chew the scripture in the same way a cow chews the grass. 
And he would look at us and he would say, I've been chewing on these passages for the last 20 years. And I would look at him and I'd go, great, this omelet is wonderful. Thanks, bro. Fast forward a couple years now, and I think I get what he was talking about. You see, the word of God is completely unsearchable. It is absolutely possible to pick up the same text and for God to reveal something to us new every single time. Every single time. God's wisdom and God's knowledge is unsearchable. And as I prepare for this message, I start chewing on this again this week. And as I chewed on it this week, I chewed on a different part of this passage than I normally would. I got into the language of of a friend. Jesus here calls his disciples his friends. And you see, this is not uncommon language for God to use in the scriptures. You see, he uses this language towards Abraham in Genesis. And Hebrews is going to teach us, for no goodness of Abraham, God called him to go find a city whose builder and maker is God. And he attributed to him friendship as a result of his faith. Friendship. We see friendship become really prominent in the Old Testament with a king named David. He has two really good friends, right, that we'll get into a little bit later. But friendship is going to be a a large thing. And we find friendship talked about really often in the book of Proverbs that you guys have been studying. So today we're going to dive into friendship as we see it in the book of Proverbs. I got uh, got a few nuggets And then we'll go eat some chicken nuggets for lunch, amen? Here we go. So, Aristotle is a great Greek philosopher. He's one of the big three. You have Socrates, you have Plato, and you have Aristotle. Socrates and Plato were really into pointing you places, right? On the roof of the Sistine Chapel, there's going to be a painting from Michelangelo, and it's going to be two fingers coming together. Those two fingers represent Socrates and Plato. Socrates was into what happened in our lives. So his philosophy is pointing down because it's pointing to the earth. He was into how we treated each other and what that meant in the material world. Plato was a little different. Plato's pointing up. So Plato and Platonism is not too concerned with what happens in the physical world. Right? Plato's concerned with what's happening in the non-material world. Right? Aristotle is going to take a cue from Plato, and Aristotle's going to take it one step further. Aristotle's going to say, I'm not only concerned with the material world and what happens, but I'm concerned with asking the question, what do we owe each other? What does it mean for us to be in relationship with each other? So he writes this treatise called the Nicomachean Ethics. And in this, he gives us what he believes is ethical friendship. Ethical friendship. He describes it in three ways. The first of these is going to be a friendship of utility. Now, a friendship of utility exists between you and someone who is useful to you in some way. A friendship of utility, or a utilitarian friendship. If we're going to be honest, we all have utilitarian friendships, right? I love the people that I work with dearly, 
But some of them were just not deep and dear friends. Some of them, I just need to know how to get the copier unstuck. Right? We all have utilitarian friendships. People who we are in friendships with for the gain that comes from it. Right? If we're going to be honest, right? My mom, she was a single mom. She lived and she lived by herself with two knucklehead boys who didn't know how to do anything. So when the toilet would break, my mother would call Mr. Bodie. Now, when Mr. Bodie came over, you would think that we were friends with, with Brother Bodie there because my mom would make him some food and it'd be the whole deal. But literally, she was just making him food so he would get the drain unclogged. That was part of the deal. We didn't see Mr. Bodie at Christmas, right? We didn't send him a Christmas card. He wasn't our, he wasn't our friend, right? It was a friendship of utility. Aristotle's gonna say that we all have these types of friendships, and these types of friendships are necessary to us existing as people. Friendships of utility. He's gonna have a second type. And the second type is gonna be a friendship of pleasure. Next slide, please. A friendship of pleasure. Now, a friendship of pleasure exists between you and those whose company you enjoy, right? A friendship of pleasure. I want you guys to think about this. There are some folks who you're friends with who you just like doing stuff together, right? You just like doing stuff together. I have a friend who I went to college with, and we enjoy the same music. Love that brother. So, hey. When we have free time, we both like are married and have kids now, and we don't have a whole ton of time. But sometimes we call each other, and he'll say to me, hey, you want to go buy some records? And I'll say, yeah, let's go flip through the bins. Or sometimes he'll say, hey, I want to go to a concert together. And I'll say, hey, let me check with the GM, my wife, and see if we're free, and see if I can go to this concert. But our friendship doesn't extend much past the things that bring us together those events that bring us together. Friendships of pleasure. How many of you guys would say you have friendships of pleasure? Right? You got hunting buddies, friendships of pleasure. You got some folks you like to bake with, friendships of pleasure, right? No, Aristotle's not gonna say any of these friendships are inherently evil. He's gonna say they're necessary to living the good life, as he would say. You need friendships of utility. You need friendships of pleasure. But he's going to say there's a third type of friendship. And he's going to say that this third type of friendship is going to be the friendship that feeds our souls and helps us become ethical individuals. These are friendships of the good. Friendships of the good. And these are going to be based on mutual respect and admiration. These friendships take longer to build than the other two kinds but they are also more powerful and enduring. Friendships of the good. Friendships of the good. How many of you guys would say you have a couple friendships of the good? Right? Friendships of the good. Friendships with folks who you know you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning and they'll pick up, right? Good friends, friends that you can tell your joys, friends that you can tell your pains, friends that you can, you know, be good friends with, right? 
friendships of the good. Today, church, I want to contend to you that without Jesus, friendships of the good cannot exist. I'm going to tell you guys this morning that I believe that Aristotle is wrong. I don't believe that without Jesus, you can have friendships of the good. Because I think what Aristotle is doing is he's discounting a doctrine or a teaching of the Bible that we call total depravity. And you see, total depravity is the teaching, the biblical teaching, that we as humans are born into sin and shaped into iniquity, says Psalm 51.5. It's the belief that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, what they did was they said to God, hey, thanks for creating me, but no thanks on telling me how to live my life. And in that moment, sin shattered everything. In that moment, we find sin breaking the relationship between Adam and God. We find sin breaking the relationship between Adam and himself. We find sin breaking the relationship between Adam and Eve. And we find sin breaking the relationship between Adam and nature. And because of that, we are all born into sin and shaped into iniquity. So the idea that we can have friendships of the good while being sin-seared people is silly. It's silly. Because the reality is, no no matter how much utility we have, because I'm sin-seared, I'm going to let you down. No matter what hobbies we have, because of our sincere nature, we are going to let each other down. No matter how long we've been at it, we are going to let each other down. So I want to contend to you a fourth way this morning. In this fourth way, for our purposes this morning, we're going to call friendships of the cross. Friendships of the cross. And I believe these friendships are cruciform in nature. The word cruciform means cross-shaped in nature. C.S. Lewis says that I believe in God like I believe in the sun, not only because I can see it, but because by it I see all things. I believe that cross-shaped friendships are when we walk around with cross-shaped glasses and we see the world through the lens of the cross. These friendships are forged between individuals living life in the rhythms of grace. Forged by individuals living life in the rhythms of grace. I believe the book of Proverbs teaches us a whole lot about what these friendships, what these friendships should look like. First, Friendships of the cross. Next slide, please. Friendships of the cross. See holiness as a higher priority than happiness. Friendships of the cross. See holiness as a higher priority than happiness. Before I got married, uh, the old men who used to work here, I love them to death. They're my old uncles in the faith and grandpas in the faith. So before I got married, I had done premarital counseling, but I just wanted to get 
some advice from a vet. So I went into this old pastor of counseling's office who had been doing premarital counseling with people for a really long time. And he handed me this red book, and I said, okay, thank you. But then he hit me with this line, and he said, hey, man, marriage is meant to make you holy, not happy. And man, I sat down and I said, man, I want to contend to you this morning that friendships of the cross are meant to make you holy, meant to make you holy, not happy. Next slide, please. Proverbs 27.6 is going to teach us, faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The reality is in Christian friendship, it's not only about making each other feel comfortable. Christian friendship is about confession and conviction. Confession and conviction. What we find in the life narrative of David that we find in the Old Testament is David, while he is a man after God's own heart, and while he is the greatest king of Israel, and the king, the king that's pointed to by Jesus, that he is the seed and offspring of David, David has some issues, right? Instead of going to war, David stayed home, and when he was on the roof being idle, he seen Bathsheba. And even though Bathsheba was married, he decided that he was going to have Bathsheba. So he sent her husband Uriah to the front lines to be killed. Right? Bathsheba gets pregnant. They lose the baby. And at this point, David's going on because he's the king. And no one's going to question him. No one's going to question him. David has two really good friends. One named Jonathan, one named Nathan. Now, Jonathan is going to be his friend that he just, he loves this guy. He goes to war with this guy. It's his brother-in-law. He loves this dude. Right? I have friends like that. But you see, I'm going to contend to you this morning that, uh, that Nathan was a truer friend to David than Jonathan could ever be. Because you know what Nathan did to David? The prophet comes up to David in the midst of all this, and he says to him, hey, you know, there's a story about this guy. And then you know what he does? He he tells the story that's the exact thing that David did. And David, being so dense and caught up in that moment, gets angry, and the scripture says he becomes indignant. And that he comes... To Nathan, and he says to him, whoever this man is, I'm going to put him to death. And then he looks back at David and he says, that man is you. That man is you. We do not have friendships of the cross if we cannot confront each other on our sin. If we can't be growing to be more like Jesus together then we do not have friendships of the cross. We have friendships of utility and friendships of pleasure, and we think we have friendships of the good. 
But if we are not moving towards holiness together as people, then we do not have friendships of the cross. Faithful are the wounds of the friend. And students, I see you up here. That starts with you as well. You can have friendships of the cross. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. One of the pastors at our church, Skyler, I love him to death. Skyler is my friend. We've had lots of situations with worship leaders over the past few years. And you know, my heart just wasn't right in the last situation. I didn't lead through it well. So you know what Skyler pulled me aside and said? Skyler pulled me aside and he said, hey, um, I love you, bro, but you need to go apologize and you need to step out of the search process for the next worship leader. We got it. You need to get your heart together because this is not what Jesus would do. And when Skyler said that for about two or three minutes, I was really, really upset. I wanted to blow him up. All right? But then as the spirit got to moving, I called him back the next day and I thanked him for loving me more than, yeah, more than he loved, like, comfort and tranquility. Will we be friendships? Will we have friendships of the cross? Will we say difficult things to each other when we need to? We cannot grow in the faith as a community if we don't. Faithful are the wounds of the friend. Profuse, many, are the kisses of the enemy. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Friendships of the cross are more concerned with faithfulness than fruitfulness. Friendships of the cross are more concerned with faithfulness than fruitfulness. Next slide, please. Proverbs 17, 17 is going to teach us. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend, a true friend, loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friendships of the cross are more about faithfulness than fruitfulness. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Sometimes in friendship, it can become very easy in the church to slide into friendships of pleasure and slide into friendships of utility. What am I saying? You know, in our church, there are a lot of people who are right around my age. I'd probably say most of our core. So most of our core has small kids. You know, we kind of multiply like Israelites there. So <laughs> citizens church growth method was the Israelite way. All right? So we all have a bunch of little kids. They're running around everywhere. So our friendships can easily become utilitarian when somebody wants a date night. It's like, hey, so who watched the kids last Friday? They're going to watch the kids this Friday. We're coordinating calendars to see who can watch the kids. 
And it's easy for our friendships to become like that in many ways, to become utilitarian in nature, where we're saying, hey, what did you do for me the last time? But the reality is friendships of the cross are far more concerned with faithfulness. Friendships of the cross are concerned with asking the question, will you show up? Will you show up even when things are not convenient for you? Even when it doesn't match up with your calendar? Even when it doesn't match up with your checkbook? Even when it doesn't match up with your personal desires? Will you show up? Proverbs teaches us a friend loves at all times. That's good times and that's bad times. That's convenient times and that's inconvenient times. Will you show up? A great example of friendship is going to be found in the book of Ruth. You see, unthinkable things happen to Ruth and her mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law looks at Ruth and says, hey, you can leave now. My sons are dead. I have nothing. You can leave now. But guess what? Naomi was her friend. So she stuck with her. And she said, where you go, I go. Where you rest, I rest. The country that I go to, you go to. And guess what? At the end of this beautiful story, God worked it out. For Ruth, a Moabite woman, who is now going to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. And what that story teaches us is about her character as a friend. Friendships of the cross are more concerned with faithfulness. So in our friendships, in community, do we show up? Do we show up not only when it's convenient? Are we like Jesus, as Paul describes it in Philippians 2, not only looking to the interest of ourselves, but looking to the interest of others? The example there is Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, counted equality with God a thing not to be grasped. And he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And now he's highly exalted and it's been bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name. Friendship is more concerned with faithfulness than fruitfulness. And lastly this morning, friendships of the cross flow from the fountain of fear of the Father. Friendships of the cross flow from the fountain of fear of the Father. Next slide, please. Proverbs Chapter 9, verse 10 is going to teach us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. True friendship of the cross flows, flows from the fear of the Father. We started this morning in John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, when you get to 
verses 13 and you keep reading there through 16 or 17, you get a lot of friendship language. Friendship's going to pop up there over and over again. Jesus is going to say, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And he looks at the 12, these individuals who he knows in his foresight very soon are all going to desert him in his time of need. He looks at them and he says, you are my friends. You are my friends. You're not servants anymore because servants don't know the plans of the master. I've told you that I'm going to the cross. I've told you that I'm going to die. I told you that I'm going to raise from the dead. I've told you that the Holy Spirit is coming to fill you. And greater works will you do. Here's the thing. You don't get to that language of friendship in John chapter 15, starting in verse 13, without the first 12 verses of John chapter 15. Because in the first 12 verses, he looks at them and he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Church, we cannot be good friends. We cannot be good husbands. We cannot be good wives. We cannot be good workers. We cannot be good brothers and sisters if we are not abiding in Jesus. All of our goodness flows from being filled with Jesus and being connected to the vine and cultivating lives of being connected to the vine. Friendships of the cross are quite simply what happens when our cups overflow. David teaches us in Psalm 23 that he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflow. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That goodness and mercy that's following after us as we cultivate lives of abiding with Jesus, that's friendship. That's friendship of the cross. And it doesn't happen any other way. It doesn't happen any other way. Friends of Jesus, before we get to being friends with Jesus, before he calls his disciples his friends, he first, for 12 verses, says to them, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Will we be a people who abide in Jesus? It's the key to godly friendships. It's the key to what... Proverbs is teaching us, will we be people who abide in Jesus or will we continue to walk in the ways that we do? What a lost and dying world doesn't need to see is counterfeit community and counterfeit friendship. What a lost and dying world needs to see and a gift to a lost and dying world are friendships of the cross. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, 
It goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.